Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1225. Don't live your life with what you've been given, but live your life with what you can give. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Nashville, Tennessee, Sean Kiernan. Hey, Sean, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. Always. Always buckled up. (laughs) That's right. Sean Kiernan has over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry as both a professional and an enthusiast. Before moving into paint and specializing in sales, management, and consulting, Sean cut his teeth in collision repair as an advisor, a restorer, and service expert in Nashville. Among the cars in Sean's collection is the most iconic movie car in history, the 1968 Mustang Fastback, the number 559 Bullet Mustang, driven by none other than Stephen McQueen in the iconic 1968 film Bullet. The story behind how Sean ended up with this car is absolutely fascinating. I am so excited to bring that to you listeners today. And when it comes to cars, Sean is respected by many and considered an expert in his field. I had the pleasure of meeting Sean at the LeMay America's Car Museum a few months ago where he shared his car, brought it to the museum, and getting to see this car up close and personal and listening to Sean's story, I knew I had to bring it to you, the Cars Yeah listeners. So Sean, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and your passion for automobiles? Yeah, definitely. My whole life, I, it's, it's, uh, I can't think of it without cars. You know, I've, I've lived on a farm my whole life. Obviously, like everybody else that got into cars, started off with uh, with bikes and um, slowly moved into tractors and uh, <laughs> still having fun with tractors uh, to this day. But my dad got me into my passion for cars, was always uh, into cars. He uh, dabbled in Formula Ford, uh, Fords in the 70s and, and oh, cool. always had this uh, extreme passion for cars. Uh, between Alfa Romeos and MGs and obviously Mustangs and Porsches. I think um, when he hung his hat on the car thing, he kind of shifted to horses, and I picked up the car torch. And uh, I I kept on, you know, just uh, following this whole love for, for automobiles that we all have. But I think it always, you know, everybody has their own story and it goes a little bit different, but I always knew that one day I would be able to tell my story to, to thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. So yeah, I always kept that in the back of my mind. So when it came to, uh, to get a job, when we moved to Nashville, yeah, it was uh, detailing local car lot. And well, actually it was a, it was a Dodge dealership, believe it or not. And then I was there for about a year and then shifted over to auto body and been mainly doing that since I guess about 17 years old and shifted to the dark side, started selling paint about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, <laughs> and then went up the line there and, um, worked for an amazing company. It's LKQ. Uh, they're one of the, uh, where they, they are the largest, uh, automotive aftermarket and recycled parts suppliers on the planet with over 50,000 employees. So to be just a drop in the bucket for them, being able to do what I love every day, you know, they, they make it possible. And yeah. it's been fun. It's been fun this whole past year. My life's kind of taken a different turn uh, as far as unveiling 
bullet and yeah it's it's uh, been an absolute blast i mean being able to do podcasts like this and being able to tell my story i mean it's at the end of the day it's what i live for well it is really cool your story is really cool and what i i can't wait to share is uh, more of the story about this car because of course it's such an iconic car with a movie like that and and just the, the backstory is absolutely fascinating how everyone pretty much thought this car was long gone and lost and and set with your family and 50 years, and you guys had to kind of keep this secret. And now that you brought it out, the fact that you're sharing it with the world is absolutely spectacular. I mean, everybody who walks up to the car who's ever seen the movie gets goosebumps. I know Renee Christ, who is the uh, person in charge of the cars over at LeMay, she was like vibrating, I think, when, when you came over and dropped yeah. that car off because that movie was so special for her. She's a past guest here on Cars yeah, as well. Well, we're going to learn a lot more about that car and about you, but first, I want to ask you for a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that's been instrumental in your life. It's a nice way to get that bullet smoking here on cars, yeah? So, Sean, take the wheel. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, through Winston Churchill, who uh, was a pivotal point in my father's life, saying, you know, don't live your life with what you've been given, but live your life with what you can give. I think that speaks relevant to what I try to do with the car uh, every day and not just hold it, not just have it sit in the garage, but share it, drive it, and just have fun with it and have fun with uh, with everybody else with it. So oh, I think that, that rings true every day for me. Yeah, well, and it's something that you do. I mentioned you bringing the car to LeMay for people to come and see, but your car has been, before I jump into this next question, can you just run down a quick bullet list of all the places you've taken your car? I know it was, uh, it was just at an event recently before we recorded this show. It's been on the uh, National Mall. But mm -hmm. all the places you've taken it, can you run through that real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so started off at the uh, International Auto Show in Detroit in January and then took it up to Haggerty uh, in Traverse City, then for LKQ down in Dallas. And then I had her, I think that we did Amelia Island, the Concord down there, which was uh, quite fun. I kind of broke the mold there. Yeah. Uh, then we went to D.C., did the National Mall, was there for seven days, and then flew her overseas, did the Goodwood Festival of Speed in uh, Chichester in England, which was amazing, ran up the hill 12 times, then came back, did a <laughs> media event in San Francisco with Ford. So I got to put around San Francisco for the first time in 50 years. Uh, with Took her car. back to her roots where she was filmed, huh? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, after that, celebrated the 10 millionth Mustang with Ford in Detroit and then uh, Woodward Avenue, which I headlined, which was uh, very surreal. And then after that, if I'm not skipping anything, I believe I went to, I think the next stop was SEMA. Then after that, I did kind of a six week tour in California. So SEMA and then San Diego Air and Space Museum, then took it up to San Francisco again to do some shooting for the documentary and uh, had it there for the San Francisco Auto Show, then to L.A. for the L.A. Auto Show. And then uh, in Tacoma uh, is uh, actually where she resides right now at uh, America's Car Museum. And then I took her out just for the last uh, couple of weekends ago for the Grand National yeah. uh, Roaster Show where we went and raised $75,000 for Parkinson's mm. and Michael J. Fox wow. Foundation. Yeah, so, yeah wow. It, <laughs> a heck of a trip, and uh, yeah, it's been an awesome 13 months, and she's doing Man. good, and that's all that matters to me. It's so. You have, I mean, you're like that Johnny Cash song, I've been everywhere, man, uh, and you definitely have been everywhere with that car. That's an incredible list, and uh, and a shout-out to past Cars Yeah guest and friend, Deb Pollock, for uh, what you guys raised there 
uh, for Parkinson's and through her uh, her events and so forth. And of course, uh, good friend Nick Hunsiker and the watch that he painted. You guys did it as a giveaway. Uh, very, very cool. Uh, I was a little little part of that. I threw some money that way, but uh, my name wasn't drawn, so oh well. Yeah, mine Somebody, wasn't either, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would hope not. You've got the dang car. But it yeah. would go, would, that watch would go good with that car, that's for sure. Oh, I was open. I know. Wow, Nick is an amazing artist. Well, let's go back in time and talk a little bit about your personal passion for cars. You touched on this at the beginning. Your dad was a car guy. I love the fact that he uh, was racing Formula Fords and he was into cars. But is there a pivotal moment when you were a young man when you said, you know what, I am a car guy just like dad? Absolutely. Um, You know, I always had this passion and, you know, like every other kid on the planet had, uh, you know, those four cars on the walls between the Ferraris and the and the Vipers even and the, the Lamborghinis. But my dad, I believe it was 1986, 1987, I was five or six years old, bought a uh, 75 Porsche 911S. And it was, it was a, you know, it, it probably smoked more than it actually ran. <laughs> and uh, But it looked amazing. And for me, just the look and the feel and even the smell of the car was probably hooked me the hardest. I was playing soccer one day and in a soccer practice, I can, I can visually see it. My dad coming down the hill and the Porsche and then dropped it in the second to pull in. And it backfired so loud that I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it just scared everybody. And even at yeah. that moment, like where it would embarrass anybody else, I was grinning from ear to ear. And uh, yeah. just because the car is just absolutely amazing. It only went probably about a hundred miles. And then, uh, you know, we parked it actually for the rest of his life and to this day it's sitting in the garage oh my and, gosh uh, it's begging <laughs> for thing. restoration yeah it's begging yeah. for yeah. restoration and, and, and it'll get it it spent most of its life next to bullet actually a lot of its life next to bullet it's it's funny that car means as much to me as bullet does because that car and bullet have been you know the two cars in the garage my whole life and yeah it's just that feeling and, and being a kid and, and sitting in that car and playing, you know, acting like you're driving uh, countless hours. I spent in both of those cars. It's so much fun. So yeah, that was definitely the, the moment that it, it bit me hard for sure. Well, I'll bet. Now, 75, that year was when they went to the magnesium case and they had some issues with those cars, 75 through 77. I had a 74 and you mentioned the word backfire. I learned about the necessity of a pop-off valve in the airbox on those old Porsches because I blew my <laughs> airbox to smithereens once, downshifting a little too hard and then accelerating, and I just heard this kaboom open the back, and that whole box was like pieces of plastic everywhere. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, exactly. should have put yeah. a pop-off valve. So when you restore that car, make sure you put a pop-off valve in that airbox, okay? So that doesn't oh, happen. Absolutely, but, uh, absolutely. I look forward to seeing you in that thing. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you faced along the way. These are wonderful learning lessons. They're not much fun when we're going through them, but I like to have people share these stories because it helps other people listening who might be going through the same thing to see there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So can you walk us through one of those for us? Definitely. I had put together uh, plenty of cars, restored plenty of cars, and and had the struggles of, of building something from the ground up which we've all been you know, deep into the hole of wondering if you're going to get out and come out with a beautiful car at the end. Yeah. And any and, money uh, too. <laughs> and any money, yeah, or being worth any money, and uh, yeah. which probably won't. And the biggest project car I had and probably will ever have was Bullet. And 
the biggest thing was, you know, my father passed away in 2014 and we had taken the part uh, the, uh, the car apart together. I mean, everything, but the, uh, the doors, the dash and the glass, you know, when he passed away, I wouldn't even go in the garage. It was, you know, that was kind of our, our spot and that's where we yeah. hung out the most. And, you know, I, I so I closed the doors and just kind of avoided it. In 2015, I can, you know, it was towards the latter part of the, the year. Uh, it was actually right before I was about to leave to go get married. I can remember sitting on the steps in the garage with my wife staring at the car, just not even knowing what to do with the car because not only was I going to have to put it together without my father, but I was going to have to put it together and basically show it to the world and, uh, and know that everyone is going to see it. And at that point, you know, I, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't, I never wanted to restore it because I never wanted to erase the history of the car, but I wanted to be able to honor my father in the best way. And it honestly just scared the death out of me. I, I didn't, you know, I, I, it's not, I couldn't pick up the phone and, and call anybody and go, Hey, I got this car and I couldn't have any help with it. It was something that I emotionally needed to get through on my own through inspirations through a lot of people right after my wedding, I got the courage to not only put it together, but put it together right. And it came together probably easier than any other project car I've ever done ever. And, uh, that's yeah, because, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, you, when you get your mind right and you're sitting there staring at the car and it basically, it, it, it's kind of willing you along to finish it and right. you know that yeah. when it's done, you're going to have something amazing that people are going to not only respect, but look at and going to know the the blood, sweat and tears that went into it. Yeah. You know, it's such a, a heart wrenching story and it's such a lovely story. And when you shared it at the LeMay Museum and I was standing there, I was getting goosebumps because I lost my dad not too long ago. And, you know, when you lose a parent who's so important in your life, there's so many things you think back on that you did, things you wish you had done all these emotions, but when you tie them into a an object like that, that was such a big part of your family's life, because that car has been in your family for 50 years, is that right? 45 years. So, 45, uh, bought okay. It, yeah, I'm just, it's funny, because uh, I, I caught myself at the at the last show at the Grand National, because I used to, all last year it was 44, now it's 45, it's 2019, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. yeah, October 74. Wow, yeah, so... I mean, that's such a long period of time and so many memories rushing into your mind and emotions and everything. But, you know, the world is so happy with what you did and the fact that you're sharing it. And no doubt, and you know this, your dad's looking down with a big smile on his face and a lot of pride in his heart uh, for what you've done and what you are doing, because that's what cars are all about, is sharing the experience. And really, when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, it's not the car, it's the experiences with the vehicle and the friends and family and people around it that are most cherished and most important. So we're very happy that you you uh, got the courage and you did what you did and put that together. Certainly a challenge. And you did a fantastic job, too. I mean, the car, the patina, everything is there. You look at it and you just, you can smell the movie, the smoking tires, <laughs> Steve McQueen with a cigarette in his mouth and, you know, <laughs> driving, driving through the streets of San Francisco like a madman. Very cool. Well, let's talk about your first really special car, a car that you finally got when you were young, perhaps, or older, that really has some meaning for you, and maybe share a memory you have about that ride. Uh, again, it's probably got to be, it probably has to be the, the Porsche, but Bullet for me, having that vehicle was probably what what continued the passion and, and everything. Honestly, uh, you know, I thought about this a lot since 
learning about the question and, and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, I surround my life with Mustangs and, uh, because, you know, I kind of have to, and, uh, <laughs> and I love it, but <laughs> yeah, honestly, the first car that I ever bought, uh, brand new, uh, was in 2014 and it was a Mustang. It was a California special. So not too long ago, it was five years ago. It was one of the amazing moments in my life because I, I went to the dealership. I remember I had to sign an affidavit because I didn't want them to touch it because I wanted to unwrap mm-hmm. it myself. Yeah. And uh, my dad came to the house and I unwrapped the car and it was just amazing. And I instantly put exhaust on it, had six miles on it and changed the <laughs> shifter and, and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, did all the things. That's what we, we do. do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Put a, you know, coil over suspension on it and all that fun stuff. And the uh, I did an autocross uh, here in Nashville about two months later at a show, and my dad came down, spent the day with me uh, in that car, and I raced it around, had fun, and that moment with my father and that day, and one of the first times of autocrossing with that car, my father passed away the next day. And oh my gosh! So. And I'll tell you, there was wow. a moment in that day that was probably defines our life. And that was, I had cameras all, you know, like GoPros all over my car because I've been running on the autocross. Yeah. And he was like, hey, I, I need to go. Will you give me a ride to the parking lot? And I said, of course. So he jumps in the car and I've got these cameras all over it. And we could not, he had an 08 Mustang GT. Uh-huh. And we were, we had the Beach Boys blaring in the car, just having fun. <laughs> and could not find his car. And huh. it, it was at this, uh, it was at Titan, uh, the Tennessee Titan stadium and their parking lot is very confusing. So he couldn't remember where he parked. So here we are in this car, just going up and down the rows and laughing and not knowing what, where he parked, finally find <laughs> it. And he gets out, gets in the car. And that was the last time I ever saw him. So oh my the moment gosh. for me with that car, you know, every car I have is obviously I have everyone I've ever had and I have everyone almost my father's ever had. But that one for me, that moment, yeah, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. Well, no doubt. And I'm hoping, did you have any of the GoPros going during that moment? So you could had a recording of it? I didn't. I, the, the last one I had was the last run I made and you can see my father when I pull up to pick him up and he gets in the car and I cut him all off. But, um, it was, it was still, it was still a cool, you know, I go back and I watch that every now and again, you know, just a reminder because you can hear the radio blaring in the car for a minute and it's, it's a lot of fun. Burned into your skull, no doubt. Wow. Well, you know, a lot of people don't get cherished last moments with parents like that. Uh, usually mm-hmm. they're they're not as much fun, not even close uh, yeah. with parents who are ill or passing or something like that. But uh, wow, you have that memory that you'll have forever. Very cool. Absolutely. Well, knowing you, I think I know the, the answer to this next question. Do you have any seller's remorse about any vehicle you've ever had? <laughs> no. And, I didn't uh, think so. <laughs> and I'll tell you <laughs> yeah. why. It, 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 one of the biggest reasons is touring the world with a 68 Fastback, 90% of the people that I meet that have had a fastback regret selling it (laughs) and they're like, man, I wish I still had that car. If I could, if I had a nickel for every time I heard somebody say, I wish I still had that car, Uh we would all be good. I've heard it so much. So no, no buyer's remorse and and absolutely no seller's remorse. Well, good for you. Well, I'm going to give you another nickel here because I had a 1966 Mustang fastback (laughs) that was very well restored to a GT350 Shelby Mustang. Uh, done at an exceptional level. I mean, I even took it to a Mustang show once and nobody could tell it from the real deal. Um, <laughs> wow. 
In, in fact, it ended up winning first place, and I gave the trophy to the second place guy because I said, well, I have to admit something here. Uh, this isn't a real GT350. They're all going, what? Uh, yeah, awesome. it's a long story that I won't bore you with, but yeah, I regret letting that one go too. It was just a just a fun, fun car. car yeah, yeah, absolutely. All the time. Well, listen, I want to touch a little bit more on Bullet because that's what most people are really anxious to hear about. So let's go back, and I'm going to ask you kind of a series of questions about the history of the car. But what I want to start with is how was it acquired, when was it acquired, and kind of why? 1974, my dad had an MGB GT. Also had a love for Great Danes. And if anybody knows anything about MGB GT, (laughs) they're not very big. (laughs) You, you, You can barely fit in it yourself. So dad had sold it and uh, had gotten the blessing from my mom to buy another car. And uh, like yourself, he was actually looking for a Shelby. He was looking for a fastback. He wanted a fastback. That's what he knew he wanted. He had a um, a 65 coupe for a while, had a love for Mustangs, and definitely, definitely wanted something as a fastback, whether it was a GT350 or whatever it was. On a Friday in October, um, he pulled out of the mailbox a road and track and in the classified ad, said 1968 Mustang and it actually said it was bullet, even though bullet was misspelled and uh, said best offer. Funny enough, this car has been since it was born has been all about timing. The guy just put the ad in road and track and actually it turned out to be his wife, put the ad in road and track <laughs> and um, because she wanted a station wagon, not a, not a Mustang. And he, uh, he called him and he showed up that day. He was the first guy to call. And he showed up and not even an hour later took off of the car. And wow. this is October, 1974. Didn't ask my mom, tell her about it or anything. Mom comes home from school and boom, the family car is now a 68 fastback. This is a great part of the story I want you to touch on. This is the family car. So you have yourself, you have a sister, is that right? Mm-hmm. And you have great team. <laughs> yeah, I and wasn't born yet. And, uh, oh, okay. okay. Well, that's right. Yeah. Danes. There was two okay. great Danes. So, <laughs> well, uh, Gatsby there you and go. Prophet. And, uh, <laughs> and my sister and my mom and my dad. And yeah, this was the family car. And, and your mom drove uh, it all the time, didn't she? Absolutely. Dad would take the train. He worked in the city. Uh, dad would take the train into the city. And my mom was a third grade Catholic school teacher and she drove it every day about two and a half miles from the house to the school. But I think uh, the way she used to explain it, or she still does, is that the nuns could actually hear her start the car at the house coming to uh, to school. And um, yeah, I mean, she she did that forever and uh, until they parked it in 80. It's funny is uh, during the 70s, McQueen uh, reached out to my dad. It was in 77. And, you know, even buying the car at that point and it being New Jersey and it being six years uh, out of the movie, you know, he was still skeptical whether it was the real deal or not, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you're going to look at it. And yes, it had an authenticity letter from Warner Brothers um, and some documentation. But you still look and you go, is that? the real deal built by Max Belchowski and you know movie cars weren't really a thing in the 70s well in 77 when McQueen reached out to my dad a couple of different times and then actually wrote him a letter that kind of solidified the fact that it was the real deal then you know obviously into the future we be able to we're able to you know look back into the VIN numbers and, and find that that is the actual car but if you look into it, I mean, that car is absolutely just littered with gaff tape uh, from front to back. The back seat belts are still taped to the floor. 
there's saws out hole and the radiator supports get wiring through to the cameras and the generator up front. So it, it, it's funny because the details in the car of what actually makes it what it is are just throughout the car and each one tells yeah. a story. So getting that letter from McQueen, talking to McQueen, finding out the real deal, and they still daily drove it for another three years. Wow. Which That's, I love. Yeah. That's the part I love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely cool. Now, let's fast forward to a point when it was parked in the garage, and then cool. you went through a period of time where you and your family decided, you know, we need to keep this kind of quiet for a while until we figure out what we want to do with it. Because, And for obvious reasons. You don't want someone to know where it is and come and steal it. Uh, you don't want to have all these people bugging you all the time. And since it was your family car and it had that kind of history. So what was occurring during that time in your guys' minds? And then fast forward even further to the point when you said, it's time to share this with the world. Definitely. Yeah. Um, the 80s, uh, the, the first part of the 80s, it spent um, some time, obviously, in New Jersey. We were living in Kentucky. And uh, around 1988, we went and picked it up uh, from my grandfather's in New Jersey and then brought it back. And at that point, sat next to the Porsche until the day I rolled it out uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago. And while it was there, and you know, in the 80s, weren't really a big deal. But in the 90s, the internet was born. And it's funny because there was a small article in the early 90s that Brad Bowling did uh, with uh, Mustang. Unlimited, Mustangs Limited, and uh, it was saying that he had found the original car, and you know, Dad kind of debunked that. Reached out to the editor and said, "Hey, I've got a couple of documented things. You know, I don't want my name known or anything like that." He goes, "I just want to kind of share this. This I've never had an outlet to be able to do it, and you know, here's this outlet." So he shared, you know, a little bit of the story and a couple of the letters, and uh, his name was never known. And then fast forward a little bit and the internet is taking off and people start to reach out. And uh, the moment that actually defined us going underground and being quiet with it and us realizing at the same time that more and more people are starting to look for the car was right around 98. And that's when the transportation part of Columbia Pictures reached out to my father, uh, myself and my mom uh, trying to get the car for Drew Barrymore in, in the first Charlie's Angels. That's what she wanted to drive. She wanted to drive the original bullet car. And at that point, it had been sitting for, you know, 18 years, was on jack stands in the garage, wasn't ready to be shown to anybody, respectfully declined. Well, being those are the guy, those guys don't take no for an answer. They kept going and going and going. And we're calling the house, calling my mom's school, calling me, sending letters. And, uh, you know, eventually that stopped and, uh, we started to, uh, right around 2000, when we heard that Ford was going to come out with a first commemorative edition, we started to work on the car, never to restore the car. Like I said, we never wanted to erase history. We just wanted to freshen it up. So freshen the motor, you know, take all the panels off, clean everything up, put it back together, clean the interior, go to do, do the brakes, do the fuel and all that. But like everything else, the car kind of takes the back burner, especially when it's not something you have to get done. My dad had a, you know, a full-time job, also a horse farm. I started my uh, job, auto body. I, my first daughter was born. My dad developed Parkinson's. You know, things were going on. Life was happening, and the car sat. It got sparked up again in 2008 when Ford came out with their next commemorative edition, and uh, I was 
getting into drag racing uh, very heavily, 2007, 2008, and uh, took it to a machine shop and actually went through the motor and cleaned it up, swapped things out that needed to be swapped, cleaned basically the motor, the transmission, all that, put it on the shelf in the garage, and there again, it sat again. My second daughter was born in 2008, and uh, dad's Parkinson's got worse. He retired. Again, he wasn't so good with the horses because of the Parkinson's, so I was at the house, you know, probably 50% of my time working on everything else, continuing to do that. Life was going on. And then in 2014, sadly, my father passed away. And again, I had to kind of pick up the reins for the horse farm, continue on that. I had to take care of my mother, which I knew how to do. That was fine. I knew how to take care of the horse farm. What scared me was the car. And the car, I didn't even want to think about because I had horses to farm, my day job, my family, my mom. So I had, you know, I had everything else going on. But in the back of my head, I always knew that there was something that I was going to do. And I just had to know what it was. And in 2015, I go to get married. You know, my, my wife and I have an amazing time. We get married. We come back home. The next week, I'm driving along with my boss. My boss is an absolute non-car guy. Couldn't tell you how many cylinders, tires, nothing on a car. He point A to point B guy. He knows I'm the exact opposite. He's a sports guy, and he was basically just wanting to talk to me because we had a long trip. We had just gone and visited a customer. It was late on a Wednesday night. It was cold and um, December, and we're sitting there driving. He goes, hey, your dad was a car guy. You're a car guy. What kind of cars did your dad have? You know, just making conversation. We had a two-hour drive. So I start, you know, naming off cars. And something I've done since I was a little kid would always joke with people. And I would always say, I've got a 68 390 GT Fastback. Never anything else. Because I always wanted to tell everybody I had bullet, but I never could. So I always tell people I had a 68 Fastback. And of course, I said, you know, the Porsche, 75 Porsche. I have my dad's uh, 89 Jeep Cherokee, which I, I love because that's what we use for family trips. And he goes, wow, a 68 Fastback. He goes, that sounds like bullet what color is it I said, it's, uh, well, um well, you green. must have been stupefied yeah. like what <laughs> absolutely and i was just like kind of you know weary how does this guy know about say? bullet yeah exactly <laughs> and uh he goes man that does sound like bullet he goes funny enough uh my friend and i actually wrote a script about bullet about five years ago two kids finding steve mcqueen's long lost mustang in a barn he goes, I don't know if you know about the original car, but it started off in New Jersey, and then it came down to Kentucky. It was at a horse farm. Some guys were there, you know, took <laughs> pictures of it. And yeah. hopefully now it's even in Middle Tennessee. I was flipping out. I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. I'm sitting here driving down the road, and yeah. my boss is telling me about my life. I didn't know what to even say. To but yeah. two weeks prior, before I had left for my wedding, I was sitting on the steps with my wife staring at the car going, what am I going to do? And this was the moment. This is the moment that, you know, everything kind of led to. And I turned right. to my boss and never told anybody outside the family about Bullet. And I told him about Bullet. Wow. His mouth must have been on his lap. <laughs> well, it's funny. The first thing he didn't, he didn't believe me. <laughs> he was oh. like, look, you know, you're a great employee. You know, there's no reason to lie. There's, you know, we're, we're good. We're good. We're, you know, we're friends. And I was like, and he looked back at me and I was tearing up and yeah. he knew that it was real. And wow. uh, 
the next couple of hours, I, I, I couldn't tell you what happened. I have no idea. Yeah. But he, uh, he said, well, let me reach out to the guy that helped me, uh, you know, write the movie. And he reached out to him. I had lunch with him the following day. And then the next couple of months, I got inspired between those guys to put the car back together. And the first person I called was Kevin Marty. Because basically, the one thing that scared me above all was to unveil this car in front of the world and somebody go, that's fake, or that's a replica, or is that the real deal? The one person I knew to call that I've been basically stalking my whole life was Kevin Marty, who is the Mustang man. He has every VIN number of every Mustang uh, since 1967. If there's anybody to authenticate it, it was him. So I called him. And then uh, the next person to call was McKeel Haggerty, uh, because I had no idea how to insure this thing. At that moment, ugh, it went so fast. And yeah. I got with Ford uh, a couple of months later, and uh, through Kevin and uh, a guy named Mike Berardi, who is the director at Ford, and sat down. And I basically told them my whole life story. And they turned to me and said, we're going to make a new bullet to honor your father and the 50th anniversary of the movie. From that moment, we collaborated and, uh, yeah, it was, I was brought into the Ford family and it was just an amazing, amazing moment that January 14th of last year to be able to unveil in front of the world and to hear everybody's stories, uh, and everybody just respecting the way it looked. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't ask for anything better. <laughs> wow. What a story. I mean, this is so cool. So many pieces of it are cool. And, and now a documentary is underway, correct? Oh, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's awesome. As the most desensitized bullet person on the planet, I call myself, I am absolutely entertained about this thing. It is pulling so many amazing stories from so many different avenues. But we've interviewed everybody from uh, Peter, Peter Yates' wife. Uh, the late Peter Yates and his, and, and his son, who's the director of the film, to the the first guy, the the first assistant director on the movie, the guy that wrote the script, but everybody that was involved with the movie and things that were going on in San Francisco in 1968 that kind of made the movie change in the way it was and the chase scene and everything else. So yeah. a lot of interesting stuff, but it goes from the life of Bullet from the day she was born in January 6th and 68 till today. Nice. Oh, what a yeah. cool story. What a cool story. Well, I'll make sure for listeners, we put some links on Sean's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. And when this show goes up, I'll also be posting a short video clip that he shared with me for you guys who follow me on social media, Facebook and so forth. Uh, check it out. We'll watch for that. Do you have a date when that documentary will be airing? Do we know what that might be? Uh, we're shooting for the uh, probably fall. Okay. We're still, I mean, there's so many different things that are still getting thrown at us, and we're trying to make the best doc ever. Actually, it's, it, when it comes down to it, it's going to be a movie, and uh, it'll be a longer, a longer movie, and it'll be a Netflix. So, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. But I'll definitely let everybody know about it, and everybody can also follow me and the car on Instagram at the Real Bullet. There you go. And remember, Bullet is B U double L I double T the correct mm -hmm. spelling. So if you're ever going to sell a movie car, make sure you spell it right. <laughs> well, maybe you shouldn't. And then some cool person like Sean's dad could end up with the car. So that makes it pretty, pretty neat too. Oh, what a great story. Well, Sean, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. 
Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Market Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars Yeah podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? That's right. Cars Yeah is now on MAV TV. I visit some of the past Cars Yeah guests and take you along for the ride. Go to mavtv.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars Yeah TV. MAV TV is also available on DirecTV, Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through mavtv.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Sean, we're back, and I have a very introspective question for you. If you uh, came back tomorrow, manifested as a car, parked in your barn, what would you be and why? Honestly, as corny as it sounds, I would have to say I would definitely be bullet because I can't see my life as anything else. Uh, That car not (laughs) only is everything to me that I see, it's my family, but it's basically the timeline of my life. That whole car from front to back, the smell, the feel, everything about it. So, yeah, 1968 Fastback. There you go. Now, I have to ask you this since uh, you weren't born when your dad got the car. Did you come home from the hospital in that car by any chance? (laughs) I love when people ask me that. So, no, the car was parked in 1980. Uh, I was born in 1981. Okay. The car that... Uh, I came home from the hospital in was a 1981 Plymouth Horizon. Uh, Yeah, and I still have (laughs) that car too. Um, But nobody wants to see that one. No, not (laughs) quite as much. about that car. (laughs) No, not quite as much. All right, well, we are up to the last lap here, Sean, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give us some quick blips of the bullet throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Never lift. Yeah, there you go. I like it. You know who uh, loves that quote, too, is the great Bruce Meyer. He's been a guest on the show, the quintessential car guy out of Beverly Hills. Yeah, just uh, incredible cars, never lift, absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Absolutely. Uh, When in doubt, write it down. Uh, That's that's as far as I've got a huge whiteboard in my my garage, and it looks – it looks horrible. It's written. It's got so much stuff all over it, but <laughs> yeah. notes always. Yeah. Best well, habit. you know, Sean, 
That means you're about as smart as Albert Einstein, because that was one of the things he used to say. He says, I always write things down so I don't have to remember them. Uh, exactly. That one little thing, that one little thing you wrote, E equals MC squared. Yeah, that was kind of important to write down, wasn't yeah, that it? Yeah, was, that was <laughs> you, pivotal. You wouldn't, want, you wouldn't want to forget that one. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you find really enjoyable? Uh, always. So this part I love, uh, Google. And ah, the reason yeah. I say that is because a lot of the people, a lot of my employees, people I work for, Google it. Because yeah. in, in relation to cars, uh, more than likely, someone's already been there. Someone's already done that. And if you can yeah. research enough, you can find the person that's gone through the blood, sweat, and tears. And maybe you can miss the blood and the sweat and the tears and just have, <laughs> you know, have that fun. resource right in front of you. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I'm chuckling because my son works for Google, and I, I'm always <laughs> calling him with questions. And he finally made a little sign. It's sitting here right on my desk. It says, IDK, comma, Google it. I don't know. Google it. Yeah. It's like, dad, just Google it. You know, I might be in a meeting. I can't give you an answer right now. So yeah, it's pretty funny. Now, if I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Henry Ford, without a doubt. Um, There you go. I've seen so much of his work, but not only that, I've seen like where he's lived and where he did work. Um, And I just, I have so many questions for him. Yeah. Don't we all? Yeah. He's the... When when I ask that question, he's the most requested person for that question uh, by far. Oh, wow. So far. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For Harold Shelby's the second. He had a little relationship with Ford, didn't he? So, uh, yeah, Ford kind of wins the day here. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? Definitely. Uh, one that was given to me by my father when I was younger, uh, The Unfair Advantage, uh, <laughs> Mark Donahue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, great book for sure. It sits on my shelf. Well, I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great links on Sean's Cars yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Sean Kiernan, K-I-E-R-N-A-N, and that page will pop right up. All right, Sean, we're up to the last question here, and it can be a bit of a doozy. Although I think I already know the answer. Why am I even bothering? But I'm going to ask it anyway. Actually, I'm going to twist it up a little bit here, because I ask people if I can buy them one cool collector car to have in their garage, what would it be? Obviously, you're not ever going to get rid of bullets. So Let's take that off the table here because it's just way too obvious. So I'm going to ask it in this sense. You can keep Bullet. That can stay in your garage, but I'm going to buy you a second cool collector car. You're the probably the only guy I've offered this to after 1,225 people, so you're pretty special <laughs> here today, awesome. Sean. Yeah, so here's the rules, though. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to keep it. And I want you to drive it. No garage queens allowed. I want you to take it out, share it with the world. Not a hard thing for you to do. And that other point that I always put in here that it's the only car you can have, not true. You can keep Bullet. So what can I buy you to park next to Bullet? Uh, Well, it's a 1993 Porsche RS America. It was a Porsche that my dad bought brand new in 1993 and surprised all of us with. And that car is actually what I learned to drive a stick on. Whoa. Yeah. And he, uh, he sold it in 2005, 2006. That's right around the time Parkinson's and, uh, also the same time he retired. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as far as being practical, not so much anymore. And I miss that car almost every day. Oh my God. Well, you, this is pretty interesting because you told us earlier that a Porsche set next to bullet for mm-hmm. all the, all the, all those years, if I could speak right here. All those years. And uh, now there's going to be another one in the garage, which is pretty cool. And that's a pretty unique car, isn't it? 
Absolutely, yeah. No radio, no air conditioning, lighter than your normal 911. Uh, and I absolutely loved it. And I could drive it well, and so could my father. And that one, that's the one that got away. And uh, to me, that would I would cherish that just as much as Bullet and the other Porsche. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Wow. Well, that'll be a fun one to get you. Do you have a favorite color you'd like that car to be in? Yeah, it's it's that Porsche red. Guards red. There you go. I have the, be- yeah, guards red. Exactly. I have the VIN number. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, like, well, why don't you email that to me so I can get the right car for you? I'll Absolutely. start. I'll start looking. I've got a lot of connections in the car world, so I think I could probably find that car for you. And drive it down to Tennessee. Park it next to Bullet. We go for a ride in Bullet. I think that'd be pretty darn cool. Sean, you've taken us on an incredible story today. Wonderful story. Uh, all of us in the car world are so appreciative that you're sharing Bullet with the world, taking it all over the place. Absolutely. Fantastic way to honor your father, his memory, and all the cherished memories that you two have together, and the rest of your family, for that matter. And those great Danes, of course. <laughs> Cracks me up. Could you <laughs> offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that 93 Carrera RS America? Yeah, definitely. That's uh, to, to continue, like I said, never lift, but to always go after what you want. And even when you're in the darkest place, that there's always going to be light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very cool. I love that. Well, I'll remind our listeners again, you can find all these links on Shona's page. And again, could you share with us how people can follow along with you and the adventures of Bullet? Definitely. All the social media, it's The Real Bullet. So Instagram, at The Real Bullet. All kinds of pictures everywhere I go and everything behind the scenes, Bullet and the documentary. There you go. And I'm also going to remind you, I mentioned Deb Pollock earlier. She started a, a driving event called Drive Toward a Cure. She's been a key part of uh, helping with raising money for Parkinson's study, um, trying to find a cure for this disease. Uh, so I want to say uh, thank you to, to uh, Deb. She's the one that, in a way, connected us. Um, she had connected me to Sean, and then I found out he was going to be at uh, LeMay, and that's about 10 minutes from my house. So I raced over there, thanks to my friends at LeMay, the night you were there. That was a nice little private party we had. What a fun evening that was. Fantastic. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, Sean, thanks for being so generous today with time and your expertise and for sharing your many experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you and Bullet down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.